glad you could join us for episode 118 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined in Studio A today, as always, by my co-host Wayne, as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and ordinarily Ashley Scott, but not in this episode. Right. Oh, yeah. I just realized that. No Ashley Scott. Man. Yeah. Some of that. I know, but great episode nonetheless. Um, before we go any further, if there are any Extant fans out there, Michael and I have resumed our Extant podcast at Golden Spiral Media, and though it's no longer called Dark Matter, it's been rebranded as simply Extant Podcast, and Season 2 has been quite the departure from Season 1, and coupled with the cast changes, shows really moved into some interesting ethical areas, and you know, I'm enjoying it a lot more than season one. Are you watching it? No, I no. Haven't. Okay, and you know what? It's just it's tough as we've talked many times with Sci-Fi Friday. Geez, there's three shows right there. Yeah, that's that Friday's become a pretty big commitment now, actually. So yeah, and even Sunday with uh, Falling Skies and now Humans. Humans. Uh, wow, yeah. we'd love True to hear. Detective. From, oh, I don't watch that, uh, but you should. Uh, it's really good. Non-genre. But uh, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab. You can also record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. One thing I did want to bring up though, I'm, as I've said many times, cell phone illiterate. I mean, I still have a flip phone and, you know, as I look for ways to improve the podcast experience for the listeners, you know, if there's any way that we can provide you with an easier way to download and then listen to the podcast, please let us know. I mean, I just plug my iPod into my computer and download it via iTunes. So, but I understand I'm a dinosaur in that regard. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I get it through iTunes, uh, get my iPod. So I guess, yeah, I'm kind of dinosaurish as well so anyway there's other ways out there right so uh you know certainly we've had stitcher as an outlet for a while now but if there's anything that would make it easier for you that we could do just let us know all right now on the facebook group i I need to clarify something that uh, i actually said in a podcast i did with michael on our our comeback for continuum but talking about defiance and spoilers, so if you're not up to date, you know, don't listen for the next minute, minute or two. To cover your ears and go la, 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 la for a little bit. Right. But I made the statement that if Daytac Tar is not dead, I'm done with Defiance. And, and then you called me out about, you know, the when is dead, dead comments and right. all that. Well, I just because clearly he's not going to be dead. He, okay. But you see, know that, right? Well, well. If they were going to kill him, he, they would have killed him, right? Well. Okay, but I mean, here, here's my whole point. You know, we're living in the era, and, and I give Game of Thrones a lot of credit for having the guts to kill off major characters. And granted, you could say, well, that's George R.R. R. Martin, and, and, and that's true to a large extent. But more and more shows are making that bold step, you know, and, and certainly they've done it on Defiance. Kill- sure, but I, I just, I really don't think that they're making this move. First of all, Daytac is just... He seems like too big of a character to get rid of. And secondly, I think if they were going to finish him off once and for all, it would have happened, right? But the episode ends and it's just like, okay, well, he's going to be tortured and killed through the torture, but it'll happen. You know, it just seems like with it ending the way it did that, you know, at the beginning of the next episode, some deus ex machina is going to, come in and he's going to be saved or right and, and see therein lies the problem for me in that you know the writers and the showrunners look right away he's sentenced to die he requests a more painful death than the quick hanging right how do you not know he's up to something and in fact amanda says what are you up to right right so i suspect you of being up to something but I'm going to grant your request we'll anyway. Go, go through with it anyway. Yeah. Right. All right. So we start the execution, which is pretty cool, where everybody comes up and puts the little puts the rocks in the basket, yeah. and it's daylight. And you know, we go into it's now dark. Are we to believe that people just stopped putting rocks in the basket? And that's so other so yes, like you said, some deuce ex machina is going to come to his rescue. No, you know, you know <laughs> right. it's like. Right. These 
people are not stupid, yet they're acting stupid. And that's my problem. Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right. So um, well, you know, there's a reason why when you know we start listing our you know the Friday night sci-fi Friday night uh, shows that Defiance came in third for me. I still like it, but I think it's always kind of been a guilty pleasure. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever really taken Defiance seriously. I kind of enjoy. I like the characters. Episode by episode, the story's pretty neat. But overall, I, I kind of think it gets to be a little ridiculous. Um, so enjoyable, yes. Serious, eh, not so much. But one thing I did notice—that was correct me if I'm wrong—wasn't like in like one of the very early, maybe even the first episode that Nolan stops an execution like that. I believe he did. Yeah. Like, and so it was just I was thinking of that as he's just watching them put you know the rocks in and watching Daytech get killed. I'm like, wait, I think. The last time we saw one of these executions, Nolan stopped it and said it was, you know, barbaric. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100%. Right. And, yeah, I'm not either. But I think the one you're referring to, I think it was Casti on Casti. So in other words, you know, the Castathans were executing one of their own. Right. And he just thought it was barbaric. And I guess the difference, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I don't disagree. But I guess here the difference might be that Daytac requested it. Right. True. So, but we're here to talk about Dark Angel season two, episode six, entitled Two, written by Jose Molina, directed by Alan Croker, who directed, listen to this, series finales for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, and Star Trek Enterprise series finales so this guy must be a big deal i mean i've never heard of him but obviously looking at his track record or when you see that they signed this guy up to direct an episode all the actors are like ah nuts um and this one aired on november 9th 2001 now uh the title two significance obviously we've got the two brothers joshua and isaac but you know you also got siblings max and josh uh max and alec much to her chagrin on that one uh, maybe even Max and Logan, who at least seem to be able to work together with each other. And then, like we said in the intro, Asha is noticeably absent from this one. Right. Well, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, noticeably for you. But like, I didn't even really think about it until you, know, until you mentioned it. Well, yeah. I kept waiting for her to show up. And then I think like you, I just kind of forgot about it. But yeah. uh, great episode. I mean, I really like this. I think this is one of the ones that had more emotional scenes than than maybe any in the past it, it was uh, very emotional especially that you know that last one was or not the last one but you know when all right we'll now, talk about it we all right now, and, <laughs> and i know you're itching to talk about this this first point so opening yeah. scene max is in total stealth mode breaks into a building going down vertically what is that like from the uh, Mission Impossible, yeah, yeah, it's definitely Mission Impossible type oh. things. He didn't have like the rig that that Tom Cruise had in that first one when he was like, you know, did you see the the first Mission Impossible? I have, when, yeah. yeah, with the computer and everything. That's right. a pretty cool scene. But yeah, it's definitely right from there. Right. So she goes down to steal a baseball whose case is inscribed September seventeenth, two thousand nine, home run seven fifty six. And as she's breaking in, we see somebody's watching her. While she's inside working, it turns out to be Alex, who's also there to steal the ball. Turns out that it's Sammy Sosa's 756th home run, and he won't, you know, she wants to sell it. He wants to sell it. Same reason they can pay it back, Logan. Yeah. So when I, I'm like, well, first of all, because I don't think the from the really quick shot you got, I don't think there was a name on it, right? It just said the home run 756 and the date. Right. We find out later. We find out later. Yeah. So I was thinking, why? Sammy Sosa, because A, you know, Barry Bonds won the home run race in 2001. That was like the big year. And uh, not Sammy Sosa. And so, I, you know, probably maybe the writers were Chicago Cubs fans or something like that. I don't know. But then I started thinking about it because like, I actually went back and looked because I was trying to say, what year was it that, you know, it was that big year with, uh, you know, McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds were all uh, chasing. Uh, the record, and uh, it was 2001 when Barry Bonds hit, like, uh, Sosa hit 64, Bonds hit 74? 73, I 73, think. 73, yeah. something like that. Um, and so I was like, you know what? This is something I really haven't really talked because Dave is a big baseball guy. And so I say, Dave, what do you think about the home run? Because you look at, like, the right, you know, it's like Maris hit 61 in 61, and then no one really gets close 
And then all of a sudden, 2001, you get three guys, right? Yeah. Who beat, and then, you know, Bonds beats it by, or, well, actually, it was a couple of years later than Barry Bonds hit this. But it was like that one year. I guess McGuire won in 2001, right? I can't remember who got the, the did McGuire break in 2001 and then Bonds like two years later? Yeah, something, something like, that. like that, right. But, but so, I mean, all of a sudden, in this, yeah. and, and so you see like 60, 50, 60, 60, gets, you know, 61, 61, and then nothing. For you know what, like close to forty forty years. years, then all of a sudden, like this explosion, and then now it's kind of tailed off since then because obviously there were some investigations in baseball, and now all of a sudden uh, we're not getting seventy four home runs every year. So you know, and Sammy Sosa hit like over sixty like three years in a row, right? Well, he he hit sixty, I, I believe. 60 or more like four times within like a five or six year span but you know in real life you know the the 2001 season had just ended when dark angel came out and sammy sosa had not yet been busted for performance enhancing drugs which he was well actually in 2009 it was leaked that he failed a drug test back in 2002 but either way you know i guess the the writers like you said were either chicago cubs fans or they really did think that he, because of his age and because of his track record, had a real shot to break Hank Aaron's Hank record. Aaron's record right. um, and as it turned out, he did not. And yeah. uh, he pretty much petered out after that. But Yeah, well, because they, had, they, got, they, they got busted on drug tests and all of a sudden they weren't hitting home runs anymore. Yeah. So is, are those records even valid? Is Bond's record valid to me? Or do you, do you still see Roger Maris as having the – the home run record. No, yeah, this is a path we. You, you, uh, oh, you're not gonna come on. Dave. Well, no. Here, here's why. And, and and people tell me I'm crazy for thinking this. Bonds, you, you know, all of these guys were using performance enhancing drugs for their records, but the players of the '60s, especially the '60s and into the '70s, they weren't using performance enhancing drugs like steroids. But what they were using freely and openly were amphetamines. And, you know, all of, you know, whether it's Mickey Mantle, you know, Hank Aaron, I mean, you know, the, their stories, every clubhouse would be a big jar. They called them greenies. And, you know, these guys w- would go in and they take them literally every day. And I mean, to me, you're enhancing your performance because if you were dead tired after playing a Sunday doubleheader in a hundred degree heat in St. Louis, you know, you're going to be pretty wasted on Monday. So yeah. All right. So I think just okay. leave the records alone. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to leave them in the Hall of Fame or or you don't want to put them in the Hall of Fame. Okay. But the record's the record. All right. So. Fair. See, I, see, that's what, like you're, you're way more into baseball than I so. am. So I knew you'd have some more insight to that. I, I didn't know that. Do you ever see the, the movie 61? With, I have. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Barry Pepper plays Roger Maris. That's a great movie. Yep. Um, all right. So anyway. All right. So, back to science fiction. Yeah. Back, back to Dark Angel. <laughs> Uh, they fight over the ball, trip the alarm, and they get out of there. And and Max, uh, I'm sorry, and, and Alec tells Max that he needs a ride. So he's riding on the back of her bike. And they get to the checkpoint. And I know this is a big nitpick for you. It's like, oh, well, it's not a nitpick. It's just, I find it funny. Jamponi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, going oh, through. Okay. And we see the look. There's on some the- nuclear waste back there, but you got the Jamponi ID. So go ahead. All right. And, uh, you know, he he tells her it's it's her fault that she should have let him have the ball and all of that. <laughs> see, oh, just I just yeah. kind of thought about the here's the big thing. So Sketch works for Jam Pony. So a guy like Sketch has like this all excess pass. Like, you know, really? it's, it's, it's 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 hilarious to yep. me. Yep. And especially we saw Normal's hiring uh, requirements at on display this week so it's it's not like there's a thorough vetting process to get these people this uh you know this uh, all access pass right true true uh but some really good lines and we get one right off the bat when when he tells her it's her fault that they got caught she should have let him have the ball she says i should have let your head explode when i had the chance but he sees how easy she gets through simply by saying jam pony and then the next thing we see is the guard uh, follows this figure who we think it's going to be Alec uh, back among the junk. And all of a sudden it pounces on him, tears him to pieces. And then, of course, the silhouette makes us think it's Joshua. And we're obviously thinking that for the first 10, 
15 minutes of the episode. Right. Well, I, I, I never thought it was Joshua. I, I will admit. And I'm not just bragging here. I mean, I'm just, it's just I, well, I thought there was one of two things. Either like Joshua, something happened that he, you know, like goes like Wolfman at night or something, or that there's, well, I thought the more reasonable explanation is that there's another transgenic that's kind of like Joshua that's out there. Because it just, it doesn't, I mean, I, I with what Max was saying the whole time, it's just Joshua isn't like that. He wouldn't do that, right? And, and that's true. It'd be very out of character for him to be going around attacking people for someone as gentle as Joshua is. Right. Now, you know, the other thing that, that I find really interesting is this relationship between Alec and Max. I don't think it's ever going to get romantic. It's clearly like a brother and sister that are so close in age as to be ultra competitive with virtually everything, especially each other. But in the end, they each do for the other whatever's necessary, albeit reluctantly. Right. But Max just can't kind of get over the fact that because of Alec, everything, you know, all her hopes and dreams kind of were destroyed because of him. True. Right. And she never fails to remind him of that as well as you, as you said. Yep. All right. Well, we're at Logan's and Max is recounting. This was a really funny scene as well. She's recounting what happened, calls Alec a child and, and, and Logan's back there. Yeah, I know he is, or, you know, that's kind of paraphrasing. And yeah, he's being it, very kind of facetious. And right. It, it, it seems he's supporting her. And then even she realizes he's actually mocking her justification of stealing tells him it was to pay him back for the money he lost to the doctor that was going to cure her. And then, you know, it, it really is a light scene. And then as she leaves, he smiles when she doesn't really seem all that mad. So, you know, there, I, I guess we, we've been talking about the tension between the two of them lately, especially with the insertion of uh, Asha into the picture. So, you know, it was nice to see a light scene between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, gives you some hope that, you know, she can, you know, for her, like, it was this all or nothing relationship. Either I'm with Logan or I can't be anywhere near him, right? Right, right. Um, And now at least there's a chance where she can interact with him without kind of backing away from every time he moves and things like that. Right. And it does seem, you know, you're, you're wondering with all of his connections, he, he's got to be able to find a geneticist out there somewhere, you would think. think. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, we didn't hear from Lydecker in, in right. we haven't heard from him in a while, and- I, would certainly I, think, I find it funny that you noticed right away that Ashley Scott's not in it, but uh, you know when Lydecker's not in it, you, like, you don't even think about that till later. You mean me personally? You or, personally, oh, yes. okay. Well, you and your Ashley Scott fixation. Yeah, well, anyway, I still like her <laughs> better with dark hair, but that's another thing. All right, now, uh, obviously, this episode's all about Joshua, and you know, it, it's I guess about him trying to fit in and 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 granted he's got all of these issues that, about going outside and max is drilling that into him and you know he, he tells her that the reason he did go out was because he was hungry and she didn't come by and you you really feel badly i mean it's almost like that you know that that as you know uh your parents get older and and you know my mom's in florida so i don't have this issue now but i certainly did and and your your parents are are you know not too far you know it's just like do you go by enough, you know, and if right. you, you say you're going to be by and then something happens and you don't go by and then you feel guilty and, you know, um, and, and your parents try to, you know, well, my mom was real good. She kind of was not trying to make me feel guilty, but I know she really was. Well, you know, as both of us raised in the Catholic tradition, it's kind of the guilt is just an innate part of the family dynamic uh, you know and it's just uh, right it's, and, it's always there and and whether joshua was deliberately trying to make her feel bad for not coming by or whether he just you know is speaking from the heart the the, the innocent that he is in many ways i don't know but she does feel guilty and uh, but we do find that while he was out he got injured right but you know max's whole plan of just she, and she says it over and over again, stay here, don't leave, you can never leave. Under any circumstance. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, we, we get it, but 
you know, she should really think of something more creative than that because obviously it's not working out. And finally, you know, we see Joshua just explodes. You know, yeah. he's just like, no, I'm, I'm leaving. You know, and he, he, yeah, I mean, it's not realistic. Her. Right. It's not realistic. You know, and that's all she has to offer for him is that you can't leave. You have to stay here. You know, she doesn't listen to any reasons. It's just like well, flat well, out. Well, it's like her mantra that people are afraid of what they don't understand. And he keeps repeating. He goes, I get it. I understand. Right. I understand. That being said, this sucks. Right. You know? Well, she gets paged, and that's how she gets out of the uncomfortable situation, you know, with him. And, you know, we find out that the checkpoints are under alert, creating longer than usual lines. And, and then Cindy, of course, is the one that tells her she heard a cop got jumped. And then we start connecting Joshua's attack, because something obviously wounded him i mean again we, right. we don't know what it is at this point but it makes us think like you said you didn't think it was joshua at all in that opening scene so now is he involved uh you know we, we're starting to think you know that that's a possibility right. well, and clearly at this point we're supposed to be led down that road that well maybe it is joshua doing it you know he's being very secretive he got hurt he was out but like i said i mean like, i just never bought it i, I would have been had it turned out that Joshua was the attacker, I would have been kind of disappointed because it, was, it just would not jive and, and not be consistent with the character. Okay, now this leads into what may be my favorite season two scene thus far. Alex shows up at Jam Pony looking for work, much to Max's displeasure, <laughs> and at first normals his normal self until he recognizes Alec from the underground boxing, Monte Cora. <laughs> and yeah, what a terrible name. Don't call me normal. Call me Reagan. Yeah. Right. Call me Reagan. Yeah, right. And, and you know, we never really hear it. I mean, we've mentioned it before that his real name is, is Reagan Ronald. And then he tells her to shut up Missy miss when she tries to dissuade him from giving Alec a job. In fact, then Alex says, you don't happen to have an extra bike, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. He pulls one down <laughs> off the wall and excited to have, I forget what he calls him, you know, some sort of, uh, it's good to have a young stud. He doesn't say young stud, but right. that's, that's a, in fact what he, what he means. And he goes, oh, yeah, but won't I need one of those uh, sector passes? Oh, don't worry. I'll have you one by morning. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, like you think the sector pass as it gets you everywhere and, you know, without question, it gets you through every every gate, you know, you'd think there'd be some kind of process by which the individual who was given this pass would be scrutinized, right? But instead, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll we, got, we got loads of them lying around. I'll get you one in the morning. You right. know? Well, and then to add insult to injury, tells Max to show Alec the ropes. This isn't happening, yeah. <laughs> she says. So, love that scene. Yeah, that, um, was, that was a really good scene. It's funny. All right, so you know they're delivering their first package, and she reminds him to cover his barcode, which raises the question. I mean, obviously, with the girls, it's not an issue sure. as long as they keep their hair long, which right. it looks like most of them have. Back but, in the eighties, wouldn't have been a problem either because we all had mullets, and so uh, had the back of the neck well covered. Right, but uh, you know, it. What about the guys? I mean, it really hasn't yeah. kind of come up, but it, it, it's mullets. almost like. No, no, no. But I mean, you know, even Zach, who who was, you know, again, his mantra was to stay out of the light and, and to stay in the shadows. It's like, why didn't he grow his hair long? Well, he did have kind of long his yeah. hair, didn't he? But yeah, you're right. I, and when she said that, I, I thought the exact same thing. It's like, I'd never even considered that before as being an issue. But yeah, with the guys with short hair, their barcode just out there for anyone to see. Right. Uh, yeah, probably, I guess most people would just think, oh, you got you know cool tattoo. You got a barcode tattooed in the back of your neck. That's yeah, but cool. but it's come out in the news that you know these transgenics but have barcodes. Is it the real news or like the the tabloid news? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I, I can't remember. But but yeah, but still, you're right that that isn't. And we see that at the end too, right? Right there. And, with- and he's just like so oblivious, I think, to the reality of their situation that that you know there are people dangerous people out there looking for him and, and them. I mean, he's the antithesis of Zach. She realizes then that he's actually casing the place for a future breaking and entering. And it hits her. Oh, that's why you want the sector pass. That's why you want the job. And he says, wasn't that why you took the job with Jim? <laughs> well, yeah, it was originally. 
but now I care about the people. I don't think she says that, but yeah. Um, but I think what it is, is she cares about the people she works with, you know, that it does give her a family and that she doesn't want to risk losing that family by stealing on the job. So right. To speak. Well, and as she says, she doesn't steal from good people. Yeah. Good people. Or, you know, even there's regular people, right? She, she steals from people who are like bad or can afford to be stolen from, I guess, you know, like, but mostly like bad guys. And I know that's a justification you know that for for stealing but certainly like here's a lady who she doesn't have a lot of money you, know, you can't go stealing from her you know she you know like find some rich bad guy to steal from them right and i guess you could argue that's what they're trying to do with that sammy sosa ball sure um, all right well we're at crash that night and you know what it does seem like we're using crash as that meeting point an awful lot and ordinarily that would be something that bothers me but for whatever reason it doesn't well, it's, I mean, certainly from Lost Girl, you know, like that's kind of, there, there's, and Defiance. And I mean, there's loads of shows that have that kind of like the, the, the bar that everyone goes to that they just kind of like, that's like the decompressing zone, I guess, or whatever, where, you know, all kinds of stuff happen. But we see it every now and then. And it, it was kind of like Jam Pony, I guess, more first season. But uh, now it's, yeah, definitely Crash. Because right. we didn't even name, I didn't even know the name of the place until like a couple episodes ago, right? Uh, and I'm not sure we, I, I mean, you know, maybe I, we learned it, it at some maybe point. Maybe they said it before we didn't catch it, but, uh, but you know, it probably took me a while before I realized it was the same place every time. But, right. Yeah. You know. Well, Alex playing pool with Sketch and and obviously winning big, and meanwhile we see Max has revealed Alex' truth to Cindy, who merely states the obvious: say what you want about Manicore, they sure do make them pretty. and then of course alex being magnanimous by buying the beer since he's taking all of sketch's money and then he hands sketch a small package and pays him to deliver it the next day i don't i don't know you know on the one hand i'll give you 20 bucks or whatever he says he'll give him but i think it was 40 and then he threatened 30 if uh he won't if he asks what's in it again or something like that um But then Sketch mentions to the group that he heard a second cop got attacked by a dog-like creature with shaggy hair. It was looking for food and ate the tongue right out of the cop's mouth. And then, you know, we see Alec shoot Max this subtle glance and, you know, Max leaves. Alec follows. And, uh, you know, of course we know what they're thinking. And then, and then she gets to Joshua's house, finds it dark, apparently empty. Um, You know, we cut to the sector checkpoint And we hear this scurrying around, as does the cop who investigates, and it appears to be Joshua breaks through the wooden barrier and tears out the cop's tongue. Yeah. And at first, I'm thinking, like, is this hair reddish, which was then my first, that's not Joshua. Right, right. It was definitely, at this point, like I said, I mean, there's there's still uh, two possibilities. You know, obviously, we're thinking that's not Joshua. It kind of looks like him, but he's obviously different. But on the other hand, maybe, you know, Joshua, maybe when he eats Reese's peanut butter cups, it transforms him into this creature or whatever. Little Debbie. Because he went out for Halloween, you know, like, so that was a reference there. Um, So, yeah, maybe it transforms him, but. Probably, yeah, most people at this point are saying, okay, here, it's it's another transgenic similar to Joshua. Yeah, and there you know, a lot of issues. I mean, look, there are a lot of issues that get covered in this show on a regular basis anyway. But, you know, the, the whole idea of responsibility for all the transgenics that are out there, and obviously we know and we've talked a lot about the fact that Max feels responsible, and to a certain extent she is, but – you know, at Logan's the next day, he tells her that this is the third attack in as many days, uh, but nobody believes him. And he tells her that if a transgenic's responsible, you have to do something before anybody else gets hurt. And, you know, she kind of takes offense. And, and are we to think that he is now taking that line of, of reasoning that she is responsible for cleaning up the mess? Yeah, I mean, she's, she definitely has that sense of guilt because I let them all out. But on the other hand, had she not let them out, they would have all died. So it would have been better for her. Is it, can you morally justify that? And he doesn't end up telling her that later in the episode. Yeah. But he he doesn't at this point, right? But yeah, he does later says, 
you know, for every, you know, one that does something terrible like this, there's a hundred that are still alive because of you. And, and that's clearly the way to think about it. I mean, the, the, the moral obligation here is, is straightforward. She saved lives, right? Plain right. and simple. Are all those people going to be great people? No, but you, you save their lives. Like there's a lot of innocent uh, individuals that would have died back at Manticore had she not acted. And so obviously the right thing to do, especially with the limited amount of time she had, you know, maybe she, if she could go over the case records of each of them, say, okay, well, we'll release these guys. We'll leave these guys too date. No, she didn't have time to do all that. So she released them. She saved their lives. She shouldn't feel so guilty. She shouldn't feel that she is responsible. But on the other hand, she is in a position where she can try and control this a little bit because she knows if there's more things like this that the uh, the mainstream authorities are going to come down hard. And there is white is still out there too, right? Yeah. So she's trying to keep get these, you know, to to lay low and for everyone to stay under the radar. But on the other hand, um for how long? Y- yeah, like for how long? Right. Exactly. And and so so while she doesn't have to have that, you know, she doesn't she shouldn't feel guilty about releasing them. It's understandable why she should feel some sense of responsibility for trying to keep them underground and keep them out of the news. Right. And I guess when you start thinking about it, for how long, it would be okay if it was everybody's got to lay low uh, until we put the plan into motion. But the problem is there is no plan. Right. And is it incumbent on her to come up with a plan? Is it incumbent on Alec to help her come up with a plan, you know, Zach's not around anymore. Yeah, right. And and actually, now that you met, I just thought of it just now as you were talking that it's just like she does with Joshua. Her whole her plan for the transgenics is just like Joshua. Everyone, keep your heads down. Don't come out. Stay home. You know, basically, don't don't be seen. And you know, and, but that is an untenable situation, right? Now, I mean, if, if you ask Joshua, listen. Would you rather be captive at Manticore the way it was, or whether you would you rather be captive in your own home, seeing Max, seeing Cindy, seeing some others in this situation? You'd like to think he'd pick this. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it tenable. Something's got to give, you would think, at some point. Absolutely. But we do see, though, in this one scene, at Logan's, he finally, you know, she's leaving to go try to find Joshua and he throws her a cell phone. So I guess no more pagers. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. So sketches at that address that Alec gave him to deliver the package and he's surrounded by these guys. And I, I was glad they finally gave them a name that we can refer to them as because I didn't know what the heck to call them. Yeah. Well, they gave it like pretty, pretty soon. Cause I have it like the, like almost right after they, uh, they saw them, like they mentioned, they were called steelheads. But yeah, like I, I just started calling them, the first time I wrote down, I just called them scary dudes. Yeah, but these are guys that have severely altered their bodies, spikes, implants, biotech stuff, and they beat the crap out of Sketch. And which maybe isn't justified at that time, but in the you know larger karmic sense, he was probably asking for on some level. Right, and so we see him all beaten up. He threatens to out Alec to normal unless he tells him what was in the package, and we learn it was androsterone, which is a hormone that bodybuilders use. And in fact, I think that's what Mark McGuire got caught with way back when we're talking about baseball, and we won't go further than that. But you know, one of them told Sketch to tell whoever he's working for to stay out of their turf. So we understand right away it's okay. It's some kind of drug turf war, and and Alec you know, stepped in where he shouldn't have stepped. Right. So is he, is he selling steroids? And if so, where is he getting them? Yeah. Well, we know Alec is, you know, even when we first met him, it was as this kind of like wheeler dealer, you know, the guy who you want something that can get it for you back at Manticore. And he's just kind of doing the same, you know, sketchy stuff here. Now that he's out, still kind of working the underground and so on and so forth. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Max goes to Joshua's. He's not there. You know, she sees that blood trail that leads her down into the uh, sewer. Uh, and, and then we see Logan posing as a doctor, questioning the surviving officer, Dr. Livingston. 
Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he shows him Joshua's photo on that tabloid magazine. And then the guy also tells Logan that he had a barcode on his neck, which for Logan just seals the deal. Right. We well, didn't tell him he, you know, because he didn't well, yeah, tell yeah, him. He, he just pointed the barcode on the Kleenex box. Right, right, right. Uh, so he calls Max, who reminds Logan and us. Right that Joshua doesn't have a barcode because he was first. He was the first one, right. Um, and I, I had forgotten that. You're right. That is a reminder for us as well. So this then confirms it. It's definitely not Joshua. Joshua is not, he did not get into some some bad Halloween candy that's transforming him at night. This is just another transgenic out there. Right. So we've got everybody, you know, uh, Max encounters, you know, the other being at this point, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily have a name for for him yet. I, I was calling him Bizarro Josh. <laughs> and then, you know, the next thing you know, the police are arriving and Joshua gets caught by the police and is imprisoned. And, you know, of course, the other, his brother gets away. And was he helping the other or trying to capture it. See, at this point, we don't know. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, we learn later on that he was trying to. Right. That he was trying to well, you know, and we're not sure what he was trying to do. Was he trying to to uh, reason, you know, with his brother? Yeah, I I would assume that's what he was doing, but we really don't get a sense of what he was doing, right? Yeah. Because uh, we don't see any any of those scenes, really. And the right when he goes back to, well, I'll just say Isaac is saying Bizarro yeah. Josh was ridiculous. Um, but, you know, the cops show up right away and, and take him right away, so we don't really get any chance to see of, like, what he's doing and what he's trying to do there. Right, but, but you wonder what did he think his end game was going to be. I mean, was he going to have Isaac come live with him in father's house? Right, um, yeah. So so we don't really know. And, and again, that's kind of the, the M.O. of this show in that nobody's really got a plan. They're just kind of working day to day. Well, you know, somebody like Lydecker's got a plan. White's got a plan. But, right. but you know, the transgenics are just trying to live day by day when they probably really do need to get a plan going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's totally like how, how they roll in the show. That's a big theme of, of people kind of, I wouldn't say blundering, but certainly, you know, getting through, taking things uh, uh, in the moment at, at, at the time and not really having any kind of long range idea of where they're going. Uh, you know, like Zach, there's another person who had a plan, but that kind of went South. Yeah. It, when you really think about it, a lot of the people that have plans, uh, Lydecker, White, Renfro. Of course, uh, yeah. Zach had a plan that it went South because the people didn't buy into his plan enough. Right. I mean, his plan right. was to get everybody out of the city, Pacific right. Northwest, you know, so if people don't buy in, then it's a bad plan. Well, okay. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, the plans don't ha- don't work out very well. But Max has seemed to be doing okay, um, winging it, I guess. Right. All right. Well, we're at the police station, and and several officers are looking in at Joshua in his cell with bloodlust, and they mention that the feds are coming to take him. And and at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, is this going to be Logan and Max posing as federal agents? And you know, next thing you Which know, would be awesome because that's what he does, uh, what Alec does. You know, like if we see Jensen Ackles show up in a suit, like pretending to be a federal agent, that would be awesome because that's they do that on Supernatural all the time. Well, and it's funny. I just seen the Castle episode where he's being held, uh, you know, and that uh, he's about to be sent to the prison where he knows he's going to be murdered. Next thing you know, these two officers come in to escort him there. They take him out, and then about five minutes later, the two real officers that are supposed to escort him right. come in, and, and uh, uh, I'm thinking it was going to be something like that. But, but before we move on, I, I like really this part, uh, the scene is a great line because like the two officers are trying to, you know, what is he, you know, and everything. And uh, the one guy says, well, it can't be a wolfman because there's no full moon. The other guy goes, the full moon's just a legend. Read a book sometime. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great line. Right. And then they're beating him with their nightsticks, their tasers, and, and then – they only stop when he speaks. Yeah. Just and, and just the one word, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not unlike, you know, Planet of the Apes. You know, when when uh, Charlton Heston speaks and all the apes are like, whoa, you know, like, what the hell? Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah good catch. Yeah. Um, all right. So Max tells Logan 
that she's sure that there are two. And that, you know, now we know they're not the feds, obviously, or they would have been there getting him. Tells Logan that Joshua got hurt trying to stop Isaac. And I was a little bothered that Logan didn't seem all that sympathetic about Joshua's predicament. And then, you know, Max says she's going to go get him out. And and Logan challenges her about, you know, not doing anything about Isaac who could hurt someone. It's like, you know, don't worry about your friend who's in prison. Worry about, you know, and and I, I get his point. But on the other hand, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she says, you know, instead of busting my chops because I can't do two things at once, why don't you do something? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, why don't you help out? And uh and then he does. Yeah. Like, and and you know it's funny, I mean, again, I can you imagine you and I digressing into another show briefly while we're talking about the show we're supposed to be talking about? But I mean it's not yeah. unlike falling skies. Mm-hmm. Right? Tom Mason telling Pope, right. you know what? You want to lead, yeah. Lead. Go ahead. Right. If you think it's so easy, like you know, again, there might be a spoiler might reveal itself here, but man, did that suck or what? Yeah. You know what? And if Hal's not dead, I'm not watching that show anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, uh, but, but that's like, that's so falling skies is just that, that impossible choice. And what are you going to do? Well, clearly, you know, Tom's got to go and stop all these skitters being made because time is of the essence, right? He's not going to go, I don't even know how long a click is, but nine clicks the other direction to save one woman, you know? And then I'm thinking, okay, so fire, it melts this stuff, right? Well, she's surrounded by leaves and twigs and wood. I I tend to think that Pope probably has a lighter on him somewhere. So instead of running back to get a flamethrower, why don't you start a fire, right? You know, like you this like, seems like the stupidest decision. Like I'm looking around, all the leaves are on the ground around him. I'm like, really? Right. All right. And, and, I mean, and you know, it was just nice to see Max get angry at Logan and and tell him what he needed to hear. And, and yeah. you know, she realizes she can't be everything to everybody. She can't be everywhere at once. It's just too much, you know, transgenic or not manticore kid or it's just too much she cannot be in two places at one time no um all right well we find out that the steelheads are actually in the organ harvesting business and are shipping livers and kidneys overseas and then you know alex shows up confronts the three who beat up sketch and want his money and, and again you know by doing this you're outing yourself as you know sure but also i mean like who are these guys gonna tell though right yeah so you know, by being the crap out of him, he also, you know, outs himself as the the biggest badass on the block now, right? Right, and I like he gets the phone call from Logan yeah. that he takes while he's <laughs> while he's beating yeah. him up. Yeah, I mean, he is a great character, and you know, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure enough to go back and watch Supernatural, but come on, man. I, I know, I know, I know, but I do, I do, it. I do, do really it. like him. <laughs> so we're down in the sewer. Alec tells Logan. Again, you know, this is one of these that, that so many of these things that we've been thinking, maybe subconsciously, and he finally throws it out in the open. It's like, you know, the only reason we're down here in a sewer is because she's hot. <laughs> and no, no, we're down here to give Max a hand. You are so whipped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a good line. Uh, all right. So we go to the jail. Max is posing as a newspaper photographer. I love her hat, by the way. Yeah, did didn't she look a little bit kind of like Berlin with that hat on? Nice. Oh, God. you think I, 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 I didn't I, think about I, it, but you're I right. swore that you would pull it out because I'm like, man. I mean, not exactly, but she did. But, but yeah, the hat was a good touch. Yeah, I'm in. I'm into hats, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, so she knocks out the cop, springs Joshua, but of course they're being pursued, and the last door they get through leads them to the canine kennels. Right. And then Max mentions that she's got a thing for dogs, you know, feline DNA and all. And then next thing you know, we see Joshua freeing the dogs. And is that awesome or what? Yeah. He yeah. clearly told them what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that was uh, you know, dogs working packs, right? Yep. So it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of neat. First of all. I, I don't know. It, I mean, it's just, I, I know I, I nitpick too much sometimes, but just like they're running through a prison, like checking the doors as they go. And then they come to the kennel, which leads to the outside. And like, 
you know, I just don't understand how prisons are made, I guess, in this future that James Cameron, because there seems to be a lot of access points uh, and exit points to these prisons that they aren't really that difficult to get out of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good point. All right. Well, Logan and Alec find, well, first of all, I think one of them notices a stench. And then the next thing you know, they find a group of tongues hanging on a string. Yeah. Logan shines his light on Isaac. And then uh, after knocking down Logan, gets away from Alec, Isaac escapes and locks them in. And of course, now we're wondering, okay, is there another way out? And of course, there's not. Right. If it were a prison, they'd be set. Exactly. Just right. But it's a sewer, so of course they can't get out of that. Start tapping the rocks. It's <laughs> right. like waiting for a loose one that they can pull out and crawl through. Um, Max tells Joshua, why didn't you tell me about him the other day? You know, Tell her that Isaac is doing all this because he's angry at the Manticore guards. And, and in one of those scenes that we mentioned at the, at the top of the show, just so emotional, you know, that, that – she reminds him that they hurt us all, but he insists with Isaac it was worse. And as we hear his story, it was worse. It was worse. He was gentle. Father made him that way, but the guards beat the gentleness out of him and worse, felt that father abandoned them all. So, well, that, that's he did. I mean, that well, Joshua feels that same sense well, of abandonment. Right, right, right. But, you know, this, we've talked about the guilt that Max feels. Joshua feels the guilt because father told him to protect Isaac and he says he tried, but you know, he, he feels like that, that he failed. And, and, you know, we realized that the difference is, I mean, aside from the barcode and that, that Joshua was, was the first, he wouldn't stop crying out for father back at Manticore. So finally the guards just cut his tongue out. Yeah, that's, that was, that was bad. But you know, what we didn't see was, like when in the flashback, they never showed. Like you, you would think that, I mean, if I were a guard at Manticore, the first thing I think, well, let me get this guy with his brother, and his older brother can calm him down and everything. But you know, you just saw him alone. So obviously, we don't know what was beyond that. You know why that was, but you know there, that still is part of uh, Joshua's guilt and everything is the fact that he wasn't. For one reason or another, he, he, whether he was locked up in a separate pen or wasn't given access to his brother, but he couldn't help him. Right, and this terrible thing happened to him. It was very terrible. Well, and, and again, as if that's not terrible enough, then the next scene, Max tells Joshua to stay put. She's going to find Isaac. He tells her, "Don't hurt little brother," and she tells him, "But Isaac's killing people." And he angrily responds that she let us out. You let us all out. Now they're both angry, but we know it's not really at each other. They're just taking their frustrations out on each other. And she says she'll only hurt him if she has to. And then as she's trying to leave, out of my way, big fellow. And he stops her. I don't think so, little fella. And he throws her back against the wall. And, and you know, certainly not hard enough to hurt her, but yeah. hard enough to get her attention for sure. But, you know, again, all Max has to offer is stay put. You hear me? Like, just not only, like, not requesting, but saying, stay here. That's And that's all the solution she has to offer and clearly is not adequate. No, it's not. And we've said it before. And again, to bring in another show, the hundred, you've got a 19 year old girl, maybe she's 20 at this point, who's put in this situation that no 19 or 20 year old should ever be put in. And the fact that she doesn't have a plan that she, well, she's 19 or 20. Right. So we, we can't lose sight of that, you know? And whether she's a manticore kid, whether she's got all of these skills and ability, it, it really doesn't even matter. Sure. And, you know, once again, it's it's that, that burden that Josh puts on her that Josh, as as we had mentioned, Josh is also experiencing as well. I I tried to be there for my brother. I tried to help him, but I couldn't. Same thing with, with Max. You know, she is trying to help. She's trying to be there for all the transgenics, but there's only so much, right? Yeah. All right, so Max encounters Isaac, and at first we're not sure which it is because you know because uh, Joshua was going to go out too. He's clearly too strong for her, and then he's about to rip out her tongue. It looks, although you know, I'm not sure. I mean, he certainly was going to try to take her out. It seemed like the, he was only ripping tongues out of guards, right? But Joshua comes in, plunges a steel rod through his chest, 
and then weeps for his dead brother. And it's like, wow, you know, I mean, the, the last five, six, seven minutes of this episode are just heart wrenching. Yeah. And that was especially, you know, I had talked before about, you know, playing up his uh, canine nature for comic purposes but here the dog-like whimpering is actually i mean it's heartbreaking yeah right so hats off to kevin duran and the acting job uh he's doing as joshua because that was a really 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 sad scene yeah um so now we're back at crash logan's there and max is second guessing her decision to free the transgenics and and now he tells her what he should have told her before that you did the right thing and that for every dangerous transgenic she freed a hundred have a chance at a life he shows her the wad of bills that alec gave him and and i think she's kind of happy that that a that logan got paid back that b alec actually did something that he said he was going to do he followed through on something but then she tells logan joshua won't talk to her and you know we learn it's going to take time yeah sure he's you know he's devastated but at the bar there's a steelhead girl flirting with alec who whispers in his ear we know what you are Mm -hmm. yeah not who you are yeah what you are and and obviously i I mean i can't imagine they're not going to explore this storyline either in the next episode or 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 somewhere down the road and and he looks worried for sure yeah yes and she was the to, to all kinds of stuff coming out of her head. Right. Now, the actress, Sonia Saloma, who, who played Lux, the steelhead girl, uh, she's actually in that show that Ashley Scott's doing currently called Unreal, uh, which is like, you know, a, a takeoff on, you know, these shows like The Bachelorette and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually was in two Supernatural episodes. Really? And she was in a couple Andromeda episodes. And in fact, there was a show, I think we've mentioned it, I don't know, you know, back in the past at some point called The Guard, where Zoe Palmer was a uh, primary character, where they were all lifeguards on some Australian beach, I guess. Well, um, she was in Flashpoint, too. Was she? Okay. Yeah. I can't um, Marina Levin? I can't remember. Okay. All right. So closing scene, Joshua has buried Isaac in the backyard, I guess. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Places the final stone and thanks him for saving her life. She's happy to be alive and wants him to be happy to be alive as well. Tells him she's not going anywhere because, you know, this whole idea of of abandonment issues, which I think he feels more strongly than she does because, you know, she obviously escaped with, uh, you know, the group of 12. But you don't have to be alone and then asks him to tell her about Isaac. I want to know him like you did. And then, you know, obviously then they're starting to, you know, mend the, the wound that, you know, neither of them really caused it in, in the other, but it just seems that way. Tells her Isaac was father's favorite. And then, you know, of course, uh, he feels bad that he didn't protect him and she just tells him, you're a good brother. So. Yeah. And that's definitely a, a big theme of this episode is that kind of the ability to I don't know. I don't like saying to forgive yourself because that sounds so new agey, but to realize that, yeah, we have responsibilities and we have things we feel guilty about, but also there's things that I am capable of doing and not capable of doing. And what happened with Isaac is just kind of beyond what, you know, Josh didn't make him, as, as Max points out, Josh didn't make him cruel and angry. The guards did that. Um, and so really there was, very little that that Joshua could have done, just like with all the transgenics. Max didn't make the transgenics, you know, the the transgenics that are are doing bad things. It's not on her, right? And they right. both have to kind of realize that. Yep. So, yeah, really great episode. Um, giving it a grade, I'd certainly give it an A for sure. Yeah, I would give it a A ish. <laughs> Yeah, there, you know, um, at, at least an A minus, okay. I would say. All right. Well, I'd be low A somewhere in there. All right. This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci Fi Diner podcast. Come grab a table, pull up a chair at the Sci Fi Diner, where the food is always hot and your hosts are, well, out of this world. Sample some geeky trivia. You, our listeners, need to tell us what a Star Trek series did Tony Amador guest star in. 
Dine with Celebrity Guests. Hi, this is LeVar Burton from Roots, Star Trek The Next Generation. This is Lori Holden from The Walking Dead. And rub shoulders with the locals. This is Floyd of Aurora, Colorado. Hi, this is Rick from Montana. And get it to go with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Top 5 movies, one scene cannot be unseen. All served up at SciFiDinerPodcast.com. Serving up science fiction from here to the end of the universe. Well, we got a little bit of listener feedback this week, so why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right. So this one's from Davia, and Davia says, I was okay with this episode. I accidentally watched it before the last episode. I hadn't realized it was a Halloween episode until it was almost... Oh, this is talking about Boo, by the way. Yeah. Um, I hadn't realized it was a Halloween episode until it was almost over. I was a bit slow in the uptake. I like the sentiments behind it, but it did seem so 90s to me. I'm also starting to miss Nana Visitor's character. I'm continuing to enjoy your Dark Angel and Firefly reviews. Other stuff I'm watching this summer include Daredevil and Sense8. Both have been excellent, far better than expected. You watching both of them? I did watch. I have watched both of them. Okay, so I've seen the pilot for both. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the pilot for both. So (laughs) I guess that tells you, I mean, they were okay. Daredevil for sure gets much better. As it goes. Okay. The first, and, and I'm right with you in that I think I watched the first two episodes and was like, wasn't sure I was going to watch the rest. But especially when Vincent D'Onofrio starts really uh, making his appearance in there when he's on screen more, um, it, it, it gets really, really good. Sense8 was, I thought was was awesome. And again, maybe a show that, that, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think back as to how good the the pilot was, um, but yeah, they're both really, really good shows. Like, yeah, I know, think you'd like Sense Eight. At some point, the Wachowskis have to, you know, redeem themselves. They can't continue to live on that one Just film. On the one film, it was a pretty good film, though. It was but, a pretty good <laughs> film, right? The Matrix, but, but uh, uh, yeah, they've had they've had some stinkers yep. uh, since. But uh, I, you know, I like Sense Eight a lot. All right. Well, we also heard from Kimmy who says, it's been a little while since I sent you guys feedback. Still enjoy listening to the podcast. You noticed the Monaco IPs visiting your website. I plead guilty. And to answer your question at the moment, nope, there's no Lost Girl or Dark Angel broadcast here. I think the last time Dark Angel aired was in late 2010 and on a small TV network. Now, it's funny you mentioned the song by Golden Earring. I wondered if there was a link with the episode. First, I focused on radar, maybe related to the tracking device of the biochemist and love, referring to the Rafer, Max, Logan, Asha situation. But like you said, there's probably something to do with long-distance relationships while still trying to make a connection. Also fun coincidence, guest star Tyler Labine is a main character of Reaper, and in episode 107, Love, Bullets, and Blacktop, the song Radar Love is featured several times. Now about you might Max have to and go Logan. Go back and watch that, maybe. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> you'll see that, and it'll come up again in a minute. About Max and Logan. At this point, I'll have to go with Dave. Max would probably be the first one to give up on them. Not that she loves him less or is interested in Rafer, but because she doesn't want to hurt him. She thinks Logan would be happier without her, and he can't stop thinking and talking about Max even when Asha's around. Their body language also shows when they're at Logan's place, they dance around, but Max steps back and Logan's the one to go forward. Now, I understand you didn't like the slit effect when Max is riding her bicycle, you know, that that uh, split screen effect. Right. Correction, I liked it. They yeah, didn't. I know, right. Uh, but I think they made it for a reason. At this moment, Max is saying, it's not her fault everything handcuffs you to freaking Manticore. And if you look at the slit... They kind of form a barcode, which could emphasize her talking about Manticore. I have to go back and look at that again. That's certainly not something I noticed. Yeah, but that that's kind of that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Uh, until now, Josh was used mainly as comic relief, but I wouldn't say it's racism because his character will evolve, become wise, and observe things that others don't notice right away. And from an audio commentary, the assumption is that Joshua knows how to talk and read thanks to father, but it's been so long he hasn't practiced. And he tends to catch others' lingo like Max and original Cindy. So, and, and yeah, and we're certainly seeing more of that, uh, you know, more of his innate intelligence coming out. Right. And, and, and even, I guess, his, his book learning, you know, the, the fact that he can read and 
We'll have to hear what he actually thinks of Little Women once he finishes it. <laughs> right. And what book did she give him? Did, did, did she give him It by Stephen yes, King? Yes, It, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which, oh yeah, I missed, I, I actually put something on my notes because, like, I never read that book, but, you, you know, you ask pretty much anyone, especially, like, uh, any Gen Xers, and they will say, like, one of the scariest freaking movies, and definitely the scariest TV movie ever. Like, why that was a TV movie, I don't know, but it, like, scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. All right, we got one more. All right, so this is from Dan. Uh, one comment about your last Dark Angel episode. I can't watch Tyler Labine without thinking of Sock on Reaper. As a, yeah, no, no doubt. And if it was up to a vote, I would very much like to hear your thoughts on that series, though I thought you were limited to sci-fi. Interestingly, Valerie Ray Miller, a.k.a. Original Cindy, stars in both shows. Okay, now, you've seen all of Reaper? I think so. Okay, you certainly seen It was seen only two seasons, and like the second season, I think, was shortened. Okay. Um, but so when I saw that, this this email, I'm like, wow. Like, because, you know, like Valerie Ray Miller, when I, I, I see her in Dark Angel, when I first saw her, I thought there's someone that I've seen before. And then you look on IMDb and see she's been in loads and loads of stuff. She's like, well, of course. I could. But I didn't remember about that she was on Reaper until Dan sent this email. And then I went back and looked. And now I remember her character was she actually, believe it or not, was is Sock's ex-girlfriend. Oh, okay. And she was like a district attorney. And so she was always kind of, because their job involved like tracking people down and everything. So she would kind of, they'd ask her for information about these people and everything. And, and she would help them out though. She didn't realize what they were doing with the information she gave them. But, uh, okay. And, and Dan, this is something Wayne's brought up, uh, you know, on more than one occasion. And, and we're, even though our podcast is called sci-fi TV rewatch, I mean, we're still leaving things open to supernatural fantasy and horror as well as sci-fi. So, uh, you know, it's certainly a possibility down the road for sure. Yeah, and it, it's just such, I mean, Reaper, again, one of those shows that is just, you know, too good to live, I guess, you know, like it was it was such a great show, but, um, you know, like just didn't pull down the numbers. Nope, nope, it sure didn't. All right. All right. Well, one thing that I do want to say, and, and I know this will cause some people a little bit of distress, perhaps, but uh, there's not going to be any Dark Angel for a while. You know, in theory, the alternating shows seems like a good idea, but I think both Wayne and I are finding it's really difficult to just get in the flow of one show when we're only dealing with it every other week. So what we've decided to do is we're going to finish off Firefly and then come back to Dark Angel. Now, the downside is, aside from Dark Angel fans having to wait, is that by the time we're done Firefly, it looks like Lost Girl will have just started. So then we'll probably be going to Lost Girl, and we wouldn't get back to Dark Angel until Lost Girl's done its run. So it's going to be a few months. It's got to be. It's got to be done. Yeah, it, it just re- again, it really is hard to just get into you know the the whole sense yeah. of a show. You know, when, right. where we're jumping back and forth. Yeah, week to week. And, and like watching this episode, it was just trying to remember you know from two weeks ago now because we did you know kind of you wouldn't know it because they we we've actually kind of been able to get a backlog that we're still releasing one a week but it's been like two weeks since we've actually sat down and talked about uh dark angel so it's kind of difficult to get into the flow of it and remember what was going on in the show and what the relationships are what was going on but rest assured we we are coming back to dark angel we will definitely finish off season two hopefully is coming across that we both really like the show and, and you know this episode we talked about tonight it was outstanding yeah so it, yeah. it's certainly nothing to do with the show so all right anything else you want to say before we um uh, nope i think that's it all right well we want to thank you for joining us tonight we'd love to hear from you about dark angel firefly or Anything else that you think we should be watching, we'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week with episode seven of Firefly entitled Janestown, one of my favorites. But until then. Well, you know, I, I think Dave, you probably took this off the Facebook post, but I saw what you were writing about me on Facebook, I, you know, and this is this is what he said: "Quote, spend an afternoon with him, 
He'll drive you crazy with his laughing and his talking and his breathing. <laughs> 